Hey, creative, if you love the show and it has meant a lot to you, could you do me a favor? Would you share it with somebody that you care about? Your friend, your mom, your lover, whoever it is, because podcasts really are spread person to person. And I don't know about you, but the ultimate influencers in my life are my friends and family. So if all of you could share the podcast with just one person, it would make a massive difference in our creative community, grow it, and we can all help support and lift each other up and get toward our dreams even faster. So please, if you have time today and you feel so compelled, share the show with a friend. Oh, also, if you have time, feel free to pop on over to Apple and leave it a rating and review and a rating on Spotify. Okay. Love you. Are you burnt out? Been feeling down? Today, I'm going to talk with you one-on-one and walk you through why the month of May was particularly hard for me. Maybe it was hard on you too. How to move through being in a funk and burnout, what has helped me during this time, revelations I've had recently, and I'll even take some of your questions. Welcome to Unleash Your Inner Creative with Lauren LaGrasso. I'm Lauren LaGrasso. I'm an award-winning podcast host and producer, singer-songwriter, and multi-passionate creative. And this show is meant to give you tools to love, trust, and know yourself enough to claim your right to creativity and pursue whatever it is that's on your heart. Yes, I have been feeling down this month and burnt out. And I think I've only been able to admit it to myself in the past few weeks. I kind of did a half-joking Instagram video where I talked about how during Mental Health Awareness Month, for some reason, I always feel most mentally unhealthy and unhinged. (laughs) And it was somewhat of a joke, but honestly, past three years, that has absolutely been true. Now, granted, the past three years also is like 2021 was the pandemic and things were just really ramping up at work for me that time. And it was really stressful. Last year, I was having a major identity crisis And this year, I'm not really sure what it was, but it kind of just felt like I was having to move through some really deep-seated old beliefs and question whether they were true. And also, I was dealing with a lot of stuff on the pod that had to do with, like, deep mental health things. And, you know, again, I guess I just kind of find myself with an upheaval of my life and trying to figure out what do I really want? Who am I? (laughs) What parts of me are conditioning that I want to shed and what parts of me are really me? It's some deep stuff. And so, yeah, I think it can cause some depression and weirdness going on within you. It can cause some deep, dark feelings. And I've definitely been feeling that. And I think on top of that, it's just been an incredibly busy time, you know, still have my full time job. I've been working on other projects that I'm not usually working on. And trying to maintain my relationships, both my romantic one, my family ones, my friendships. It's just been a lot. And I've been feeling overwhelmed. So I just want to take you through some of the things that I've been feeling. And maybe it will be helpful for you if you've been feeling it too on how to be gentle with yourself during this time. And things that I've done that have helped. And just some of the things I've noticed from this time period. So... One thing is trust and listen to your downs. This is something we've talked about a lot on the podcast, but I think so much suffering comes from trying to avoid what we're feeling. And as somebody who's an optimist, it's difficult because I do see the best possible outcome of any situation and I can see the light even in the midst of a lot of darkness. But also sometimes that robs me of what I'm really feeling. And because I'm able to see what could be good about this, what is going well for you, sometimes it prolongs the pain. Because if I could have just stuck with the pain and walked through the pain and with the pain, I don't know. I mean, I guess I can't really say, but I think it would have been over sooner. It's like if you have a sprained ankle and you keep walking on it and you're like, yeah, yeah, it hurts, but it's not that bad. And I can just keep walking on it. Like eventually it's going to swell up more and get worse. (laughs) What you really need to do when you have an injured body part is like rest it, acknowledge it, wrap it up, stay off it as much as you can. Maybe take some pain medication, take some turmeric to help with the swelling and inflammation. You don't just pretend like it's not happening. And if you do, you have a way longer journey with that pain. I don't know why it's so much harder to understand that with our emotional pain, but 
the more we avoid something, the more it owns us and the longer it takes to move through it and get to your joy again. And so I think for whatever reason, every time pain comes up, maybe it's because honestly, I do feel shame when I don't feel good. I guess being somebody who's always been thought of as like bubbly and warm and loving and an optimist and positive, which I am all those things. But having that identity when you are going through something can almost feel like a prison because you feel like, no, I'm the fun, bubbly, positive person. How dare I have this feeling? That's not who I am. This isn't even me. And, you know, if we could sit with it for a little bit, we could get to the joy, but it's in denying it. And that's something I've been really realizing a lot lately is what a poison shame is. Because sometimes it's not even the issue at hand that you're most upset about. It's the shame you feel about the issue. And so, yeah, I'll dive more into that in a bit. But I don't know how many times I'm going to have to learn this, but like staying with yourself when you're in a moment of pain or discomfort or anything like not escaping yourself, not pretending like it's not happening, not trying to like toxic positivity yourself helps you get through it more swiftly and holistically. And so I think I'm a person who naturally seems to always push and push and push. And what I've learned from this time, and it's really only like in the last few days, so I'm sharing this as it comes up, but What I've learned from this time is that we need to trust our downs and not to revel in them, but we have to feel it. The only way out is through and you can't go around pretending like it's not happening because it just prolongs it. So I wish I would have been a little bit more gentle with myself during this time. I've been feeling more tired because I've been exhausted and burnt out and down and like instead of just being like, oh, I'm feeling really tired. I'm going to be gentle with myself and let myself lay on the couch. It's like just push through. You can do it, you know, which I appreciate that I have that ability, but I want to start listening to my body and soul a little bit more, you know, like I'm 34. It's time. (laughs) And I think this also leads me to my next point, which is that the meaning we give to our suffering is what causes the true deepest suffering. So I've talked about this on the show before. This thought first came to me when we had an amazing man on Glennon Doyle's podcast named Carson Tuller. He's paralyzed. And when he became paralyzed, he talked about how what happened was a bone in his neck shifted over a little bit. Everything that happened from that moment on, all the pain he felt emotionally due to that fact was because of the meaning that he gave to that moment. It wasn't really about being paralyzed. It was about the meaning that he gave to being paralyzed that made him feel like all kinds of ways about it. And I think that this is such an important lesson for our lives. Something hard happens to us. Something that changes our lives happens to us. And it could be something that was bad or tragic. But then it's not just the thing that happened to us. It's all the meaning we pile on top of the thing about what that says about who we are when really It might just be a circumstance that you're in. And instead of just dealing with the circumstance, you're now dealing with all the judgments and meaning and shame you're putting on yourself around this thing that's happened to you. So for me, for example, like when I am in a downtime or in a time when my career is not going as well as I want it to, or if I'm going through some sort of physical issue, I can really get down on myself and be like, oh, you're so bad. This is bad. People are judging you. But that's the meaning that I'm giving to this thing that happened. It's not about the thing. And so I'm not saying, again, that we have a toxic positivity moment. Deal with the issue at hand. But could you strip away the additional meaning that you've given to it that is causing your suffering? I think it's just something important to think about in life. Let's say you're going through a depression. Like you're going through a depression. You're like thinking that that means something bad about who you are as a person when really it's just something you're going through and that you're going to get through with a lot more ease if you don't judge yourself for it. So yeah, that's a big one. I think something I've also been grappling with is how much I still need to learn my lessons in life. I had gone from doing weekly therapy to like every other week because I was feeling I was in a groove and it was nice to save a little money. But I'm kind of shocked with how much, and you know I say this on the podcast like every week, but how much new level, new devil I've been dealing with these past couple months. And 
just because you're healed in one way doesn't mean you're healed in the next way. And it's just such a constant evolution. And I'm kind of, I'm surprised by how slowly I'm letting go of some of these beliefs I have, you know, even with this belief I have around if I just work hard and like keep going and push through and push through, then I can get somewhere. Even though that hasn't really made me happy, it hasn't brought me more joy. I still have that if I muscle through, I can do it kind of mentality. I'm also like kind of shocked at how much I'm still like struggling with codependency in various ways, whether it's my personal relationships or work relationships, it's still really hard for me to set boundaries and to prioritize my own needs, be more concerned with disappointing myself than disappointing others. And because I feel a lot of times what other people are feeling, I feel their emotions, even putting up boundaries around that and like protecting myself. I think something I've done that I'm really realizing again during Mental Health Awareness Month is I've been treating symptoms rather than treating the root causes of these things. And I don't know if that necessarily means like I have to go back to when they began or if it just means I need to learn more about how to get out of them. But it is interesting to see how much I'm still struggling. And it's definitely at another level. But also there is a letting go. Like I'm for sure seeing it more in work scenarios where I'm more able to detach and not feel as, oh my God, how is this going to happen? Like I feel more, it's weird, at peace in my work relationships now than I ever have. I just have a belief that my career is going to come to me and unfold in the way it's meant to. And maybe that's partially due to this podcast. Like I just feel things are happening and unfolding in the way they're meant to. And I don't feel as much pressure like I have to get it done now. I'm having a harder time in my personal relationships, maybe because they are so much, I don't know, they're so tender. But yeah, that's just been an interesting time. And so I'm really working through that in therapy and trying to get to the bottom of it and give myself tools and own it. I've been really valuing alone time. I got into a phase where Tim, my boyfriend, and I were spending a lot of time together, and I really appreciate that, and it's so much fun, and it's great to have a partner you enjoy being with, but I wasn't getting like any alone time, and it's been a recent revelation that I so need that in order to recharge, to be creative, to feel like myself. Sometimes I just need to be completely alone, and I think if you've been feeling like you're in a funk, part of the wisdom might be to separate yourself from all other energies to get back to your own. So taking that alone time, setting boundaries like, hey, I think I really need to be, you know, by myself these two days. Now, if you have kids, you may not have the luxury of this. But if you don't, and even if you do, you could probably take an hour and like go take a bath and just be completely by yourself and have your, if you're lucky enough to have a partner, your partner be with a child or somebody you trust or a babysitter or a family member and just Get back to your own energy. Call in your own energy again. Reclaim your own energy. It's really important because I think, too, the word empath has been so fucking overused. But when you are an extremely empathetic person and when you are a person who picks up also like circling back to empath, I also think it's kind of like an icky word at this point. I hate to say it because like I loved it when I first heard it, but I don't know if I'd want to be associated with being an empath anymore. But like when you are an extremely empathetic person and you're a person who picks up on other people's energies, you are absorbing that all the time. And if you don't cleanse your energy, if you don't get away from it, if you don't reclaim your energy and put yourself in the energy bubble, even with the people you love the most in the world, it's really easy to like think their energy is your own. And so... I highly recommend taking a shower that really washes the energy off, taking a walk, getting the energy away, doing some sort of like cleansing ritual with like Palo Santo or something of that nature. Shaking really helps get back to your own energy, doing something creative in your own space, like having one space in your house, even if you share the house or apartment with someone else that is just your own is so important for you to be able to like reclaim your energy and just have your private time. And I found that that has been so helpful in this time where I'm kind of like going deep and trying to understand what's happening with me and what parts are me and what parts are conditioning and getting back to myself and dealing with some burnout. So alone time is so sacred. At the same time, I've noticed that since I have been in a relationship and I've had a built-in best friend, 
I've had a different level that I require for my friendships, which I think is very good because like I want someone I feel as comfortable with as my relationship. But also it's really easy to let those relationships slide because you have someone to hang out with all the time. And so something I've been doing this past month is really prioritizing my friendships, making sure I make time to see my friends, making a space to have friends over, even doing creative projects with friends. That has been helping me get out of my funk because it's also just being able to share with them and say, like, this is what I've been going through. Can I lean on you right now? Also making new friends. This is something I've done a lot since the last time I've talked with you, but I've been really enjoying meeting new friends. Like I can think of three or four people in the past month and a half that I've had lunch with or done a podcast with or met online in some capacity, not like in a weird way. like on Instagram or through friends. And we've literally asked each other, like, will you be my friend? And it's so freeing to be able to ask somebody that and to like be received. And it's really hard to make friendships as an adult, but like they are so deeply important for our mental health and well-being. And I've been really enjoying getting back to my friendships and like leaning into them. Another little revelation I've had during this time is that, you know, the pressure I put on myself to like know everything and do everything right and have all my ducks in a row before I make any move is keeping me from making any move. (laughs) And I talked about this a little bit on my podcast with Kara from Unfuck Your Brain. It's amazing. If you haven't listened to it, go back. But if you feel like you have to know everything before you do something, you'll never do anything. And I think I have fallen into that trap so many times. I'm a person who struggles with anxiety. So if every little thing isn't lined up, I'm like, oh my God, then I can't do it because I need to know everything before I do anything. Because if I don't do it right, then it's going to be my fault and I'll never be able to do anything again. You know, this extreme thinking that I've been attempting to get out of for the past four years. I was going to say my whole life, but I really didn't make an attempt to get out of it until I started doing this podcast and realized, oh my gosh, this is leading me to misery. And so this is my next step is really trusting myself enough to know that if everything doesn't go right, right away, I am smart enough and I am capable enough to make a different choice and no deep harm will befall me from making a few mistakes and to let myself off the hook from having to be perfect. That has been very freeing during this time, especially because, I don't know, it's almost like things have been feeling murky enough. It's not even heavy. It's just murky right now. Murky enough where I just kind of have no option other than to like feel things are going to work out and do my best, but let myself off the hook from needing to have everything in place. You know, and again, these podcasts, these solo podcasts, I love doing them because I think they're really helpful. It's like an audio diary. It's so great to connect with you one-on-one. It's so difficult to do because there's such a deep temptation to do idea evaluation as I'm speaking. And I'm like, I can't talk and be like, was that good? I don't know if that was great at the same time. But that's exactly what happens when... When you do a solo podcast and anyone who's done that one will know what I'm talking about. So I just I have to say, if I don't say it in the course of any solo podcast I do, I won't feel good. I hope this makes sense because I'm not sure. (laughs) I do want to go into a few things that have helped me during this murky time. One, as I mentioned, was like going back to weekly therapy. If you have a therapist or had a therapist and you've kind of gone away from it and you've been not going to therapy as often, going back to therapy during these times really helps you get to the root of what's going on much more quickly than we can do on our own. Again, I don't understand how anybody white knuckles life. I know not everybody has the privilege to do it, but there are many places that offer low-cost therapy. I know here in Los Angeles, there's a place called the Maple Center that works on a sliding scale, and you can pay as low as $5 a session. So wherever you live, I'm sure there's a place that can be within your budget. But for me, the investment in my mental health has been the most important investment I've made in my entire life. Mental health and physical health first, my career second, and everything else. Seeing my family and friends is probably actually right up there with mental health, but that's part of my mental and physical health. Anyway, so I'm just saying it's like one of the best things to invest in. And um, going back to therapy weekly has been huge during this time because I'm seeing how These things that I worked through like three years ago, 
are starting to resurge again because I think I dealt with them as much as I could at that time. And now that I have this new level of consciousness and awareness, I have to deal with them at this higher level. And it's a bear, but I know it's going to lead me to a more expansive life. I'm also seeing like the way I'm dealing with these things head on. I think part of why this has been so hard is like, I'm dealing with things head on in a way I never did before. Like I used to avoid things and now I'm going through them and it's like, ugh. like as much as I want to hang back and like not deal, I can't because I know I'm aware now. And so, yeah, if you've gotten out of weekly therapy or like any healing modality during a downtime, that's the time to like double up on it because you really need the support more than ever. Like, you know, you're not feeling good, but having somebody to guide you through what's underneath that and tools to move through it, it's really important. You know, something I've been talking about a lot on the podcast the past several months has been body intelligence. So like feeling into what your body is telling you and teaching you and where emotions are stored in the body, remembering you have a body, breathing from the top of your head down to the bottom of your feet. Just these things alone can help you so much. Like putting your feet on the ground, getting grounded. These all help bring presence and take you out of a funk, I think. But one next level thing that I've done recently is myofascial release. So I talked about myofascial release on an episode I did with a great singer-songwriter named Lizzie Weber. And I think I may have talked about my experience on the show before. Maybe I even did it last solo podcast. But I can't explain it other than like I had an exorcism on Saturday or Sunday whenever I did it. And my myofascial release person is also pretty special because she does energy healing at the same time. But let me read you what myofascial release is. Myofascial release therapy is a gentle, constant massage that releases tightness and pain throughout your myofascial tissues. First, your healthcare provider will locate your trigger points or knots in your fascial tissues. Then they'll gently apply pressure until they feel the tension release. Okay, so that's like the generic one. What she did, she gently applied pressure to the fascial and then to my soul because she was like releasing my jaw and my neck and my like upper back where I store a lot of anger and frustration and angst. And then she went to my chest and I think she was doing some energy stuff at the same time because I was like screaming, crying. By the way, just to paint the picture for you, this place, it's like there's three different rooms where like these myofascial release therapists are working. So like there was somebody in the other two rooms that heard me having a full exorcism. <laughs> yeah, I was scream crying and like she had me like pounding my arms on the table and moving my legs in and out to like release more energy like throughout the legs. And these emotions were coming up and they were stored in my body. What I felt when she released that in my chest and then also through my legs and like pounding my arms on the table was I was releasing all the times I made myself small, all the times when I didn't say something to spare somebody's feelings but hurt my own, all the times when I felt like I couldn't be myself because it would make somebody else feel bad. I was releasing my fear of pissing people off by being who I am. And whoa. So if you can find a myofascial release therapist, I can't recommend it enough. If they're also an energy healer, even better. But it was really, really powerful. And also like my jaw has been so tight for months and just the physical aspect of it is incredible in and of itself. But the emotional aspect, because of how much our body holds onto for us, was huge. And the nice thing about myofascial release is you're not sitting there recalling 90 memories from your childhood. Your body does the work for you. Which, oh, it's so sweet. We have such good little bodies. It does the work for you. So you're releasing it without having to go through a million different stories. It's just releasing through your body because your body's held onto it for you. So yeah, cannot recommend that enough. And you will feel like kind of weird and sometimes sad. Like I remember I felt really edgy the first time I had it. I was like being extra like sarcastic and kind of spicy. And then that day when I like had when she released my chest and I was like pounding my arms and crying, scream crying as I call it, 
I felt really like drained and sad, but also good peace. This thing that I'd been holding on to, this like brick that was in my chest had been released. So cannot recommend that enough. Something that's also been helpful through this time is thinking about what is joyful. Like maybe there's a lot of heaviness in your life right now. Maybe you feel burnt out, but there has to be something that's joyful. And one thing I really like to do is go on walks and look for everything that excites me and brings me joy. I love looking at trees, looking at flowers, seeing houses with like really cool outside decor. Like I think it's so cool when a homeowner really takes pride in their front yard because it's for us. And maybe it's because they're like trying to keep up. But I like to think that the reason that they're keeping their front yard nice is because they want other people to have a nice day. And I cannot even tell you how many times the beautiful flowers people have planted have brought me joy. Like I have probably hundreds of pictures in my photo album just of flowers that have brought me joy on walks. And I like smiling and waving at dogs when I go on walks. Another thing that I love to do is having a deep conversation with a customer service representative, whether it's somebody that I'm talking to on the phone. I spent so much time this weekend trying to figure out my iPhone. That's a whole debacle. I'm not even going to get into that right now. But like I had an amazing conversation with this woman on the phone about how she was raised by her grandparents. So basically we had like a mini podcast on the phone. It was beautiful. I love having joyful interactions with people like, you know, when I'm getting a coffee or somebody is a server at a restaurant. Just little moments to remind yourself that you're a person and you're here with other people and we're doing life together and things can be hard, but they can also be really beautiful. It's important when you're in these downtimes to remember that. Another thing that has been so joyful for me, I've been writing music for a children's show and I love it. I love it. I never thought I would do this. In fact, like, I'm going to be completely honest. When I would watch people on children's shows, not when I was young, but when I got old enough, like, let's say when I was college age and I was getting my BFA in theater, I'd see people on children's shows or, like, working with kids, and I'd be like, oh, God, they must hate their life. Little judgmental bitch. (laughs) But I have to tell you, like, I'm writing the music, and I'm actually going to be on this show, too, which is so exciting. And... It has been one of the most joyful inflow things I've ever felt in any part of my creativity. It's so speaking to my Cancer rising. You know, Cancer, for those of you that don't know, is the mother of the Zodiac. Getting to use my creativity to sing to children. We filmed the first episode and there was a little kid on set. And when I finished one of the songs, I mean, he's like a two-year-old kid. He clapped after I finished it. And I can't even tell you, like, that was better than any audience clap, any standing ovation I'd ever gotten. Like, to know that these songs that I'd written with my friend Liz, who wrote the music for this podcast, were resonating with his little heart. It was just the most joyful thing. I guess all I'm saying is, like, you know, I've struggled a lot with my music career and finding my place and wanting to make it. And it's interesting that like sometimes you can find creative flow and joy in the most unexpected places. And when I do my music as an artist, not to say that this isn't like me being an artist, but when I do my music as like pop rock, soul music, it can feel really heavy and really hard. And like, why doesn't anyone want to listen to this? But this just felt joyful and in flow. And so, yeah, maybe you're going to find your way into whatever your creative dream is through something you never could have imagined that kind of like popped up out of the blue. It's going to be flow and joyful and it's not easy, but there's ease. And I just know whatever happens with what we're doing with this, because it's in the pilot stages, I want to write children's music for literally the rest of my life. I love it. I love that I can write songs that could help little kids and like, and also that parents will like (laughs) Because honestly, a couple of those songs, I need the songs (laughs) because they have little lessons in them. But anyway, it has been so unbelievably joyful. Something else I've realized. So I have people on my show. I produce a bunch of podcasts. And on Glennon Doyle's show, which is one of the ones I produce, when she reads people's bios, every single time after she reads a bio, not every time, but very often, I'd say more than 50% of the time, the guests will be like, wow. When you put it that way, I really realize I have done some things. 
I mean, most of the people she has on are like some of the most like incredibly accomplished, incredible, greatest thinkers in the world. And even they forget what they've done and how incredible it is. And so sometimes, I mean, I think we need to read our own bios. We need to learn to look at our life and our creative accomplishments and our joys through the eyes of someone else because we're too close. We're too in it. We're too in the grind and in the hustle. When you're looking at something through a microscope, you don't see everything around it that's gotten it to that very close up place. I don't know if that made sense. But basically, when you're in your life, when you're in the thick of things, you're just too close. So sometimes we need to zoom out. And I've been taking a lot of stock this month and just thinking like, you know, there's so much more I want to accomplish in my life. But I've also done a lot. And I've done a lot of things I thought I would never do. And I'm proud of, yeah, the things I've done. But I'm also just really proud of who I am. That I've lived in L.A. for 11 years and never compromised my soul. That I'm a person of integrity. That I have maintained my Midwest roots. That I love my parents. That I care about people and I still always do everything in my power to help people make their dreams come true. And to be who they are and to see them. So try to think about your life through the eyes of someone else or through even your own eyes, but through loving eyes. Zoom out and see your life from a 360 perspective. What are you proud of? What are you excited about? Why do you deserve your own accolades? Like what accolades could you give yourself? Now I want to get into a few revelations. I had alluded earlier to shame and what a poison shame is and how it can make you think you don't like the things or people you like because you're trying to avoid feeling shame. And this really came to me because there's someone in my life who has been going through a really hard time. They're going through a depression and they were avoiding wanting to hang out with a certain group of people because this group of people, they were really accomplished. And they're not a group of people that like push it in your face. They're not like, oh, yes, I went to the yacht yesterday. I mean, they're not even yachters. They're not like to that level, but they have a really nice house and they're really like accomplished in their career. They have a kid. They have a lot of their lives together. And this person in my life didn't want to hang out with them because they felt being around them. I mean, the exact quote was like, they really have their life together and I don't. And these people aren't judgmental people. They're not a person who's going to put that on them. Yet they, like this person in my life, didn't want to be around the accomplished people because they felt that it was a reflection on who they were and what they were doing. And it was too confronting for them. And so like they avoided that opportunity for human connection. And honestly, to be able to up level and say, hey, I see what you're doing and just the fact that I'm in the same arena, in the same sphere as you is helpful to me because that means that like it's possible for me. The fact that we're friends and that I'm around you means that this is possible for me and increases the likelihood that it's going to happen to me because you really are who you hang out with. If you're only hanging out with people who are doing the same as you or worse than you, it's harder for you to know that those bigger things that you want to accomplish are possible. And also these aren't people that would ever push that in your face. So anyway, it was just like an interesting revelation for me because there was an avoidance to hang out with them and like almost a feeling of, oh, I don't like them or I don't like being around them. Not because they're not great people and this person didn't like the accomplished people, but because they weren't feeling good about themselves. Because just being in front of a person who had done these things felt shame inducing for them. And so it really made me realize shame robs us from life experiences. And I just think it's something to be aware of. Sometimes I think we won't take the creative leap because we think, okay, well, what if it doesn't work out? What does that say about who I am? Again, giving meaning to the suffering, putting shame on the suffering. Instead of being like, well, I want to try it. And if it doesn't work out, I can always get a job at a restaurant. But like, we're too afraid to like, I don't know, I'm getting too in the weeds now. But that's something I've really been thinking about a lot lately. Another thing I've thought about, because I'm almost feeling like this today, not having anything wise to say is okay. It just means that you're burnt out. And it's okay to like, empty out and just do nothing and just be yourself for a while. To have presence, to feel your feet on the ground, to lay on the couch and just be, that's enough. I think sometimes like I'll push myself to post something online or to 
write something or come up with a new idea when really what I need more than anything is to remember rest is a vital part of being a human and a vital part of the creative process. And especially when you're feeling down and when you're feeling burnt out. And so rather than, again, putting that shame on it, being like, well, what does this mean about me? Am I not a creator? Da, 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 da. Let yourself have what your body is telling you you need, which is rest. And you're going to get to that creativity more swiftly. Another thing I've been thinking a lot about, and I think part of why I have a hard time when I'm feeling this way, because it's so easy to just scroll and scroll and scroll and take in other people's creative output. But this is a concept that I came up with that I spoke about on last week's podcast with Carrie Wolf, and that is creative debt. So when we're constantly spending time taking in other people's creativity, and we do it all day long, you know, we're watching other people's TV shows, we're reading other people's books and articles, we're looking at other people's socials, we're spending more than we're taking in. And that puts us in creative debt. So if it's rejuvenating for you, that's a completely different thing. But if you're just doing it mindlessly to numb out, try to do something instead that actually rejuvenates you so you can get to the point where you can create because you don't want to be taking in so much creative energy from other people that you have nothing to spend on yourself. You have like no reserves left. And so just think about what your ratio is of the creativity of others that you take in versus how much you put out. Even if that just means you spent an hour like playing guitar or painting by yourself or writing, it doesn't have to always be shared. But like if it's so out of whack, of course, you're going to feel like you have nothing left. Keep that in mind. And this is an interesting thing. So like even though I've been feeling pretty down like personally and just like kind of, again, murky and what's going on overall. (laughs) This is a time when things have started to move for me in my professional life. And it's interesting because it reminds me of, you know, that episode I did with Timmy at the beginning of Mental Health Awareness Month when him and I were having an issue and it was something that had been brought up before with other relationships and I was really used to fighting on. And then he finally just said like, hey, no big deal. I won't do it again. And I literally said to him, What? Because I was so ready to have to continue to fight because that's what I had always done when it came to this particular issue. And he was just willing to be there for me and be a great partner to me. The same thing has been happening in my creative career, in my like podcasting career and music, where it almost feels like, what? It almost feels a little scary. It almost feels like you don't know how to not be worried or feel bad when things are going well. And it's really exciting to have this feeling of like, I'm actually confused because things are going really well and things seem to be opening up and like there seem to be possibilities. And even where there are roadblocks, I have this weird faith that I've never had before. And it really shows me too that that work, that like dark night of the soul I went through last May where I was unraveling my worth from what I do is paying off because I feel excited but not like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like my whole life is tied up in this. It's like, this is so great. And I'm so excited to see how the, like everything else unfolds. But also like, I want to work through my personal stuff because that's like who I am is the most important thing about me as it is about all of us. Who you are is the best thing about you. And I need that in check so that I can enjoy these other things fully. So that's going to be an interesting thing for any of us. As we start to get the things we really want in life, it can almost feel a little confusing and slightly scary, but also good and just like, wow, okay, this is happening. Great. All the hard work, all the foundation I've laid is paying off. And speaking of which, I've had some great things happen with the podcast recently, and I just want to say I'm so grateful for you. And, you know, there have been a lot of times over the past four years where this show, I know its value and I know that we're making something really special here. And it's an indie podcast. I work for a big company and I work on a lot of big shows, but my show is very much an indie show and I have not gotten support from any bigger entity and have had to fight for every inch with the podcast. And it's, in my opinion, for the level we produce every week, which is at the exact same level as these big budget shows that I work on that have dozens of people total working on them. This show has never had the audience it's deserved yet. But it's something's happening right now and it's starting to build and it's really exciting. And something amazing happened 
this past month, Mental Health Awareness Month, with Amazon Music, where it featured my podcast on their Mental Health Matters category. And something remarkable happened. And I think it's just exciting for you, if you haven't found your full audience yet, to know. And by the way, even the biggest people in the world are always trying to build their audience. No one's ever satisfied, even when they're getting like, you know, a million downloads an episode. They're like, how can we get two million? So just something to consider. But something exciting happened with this promotion. So first of all, it was like right next to like Anderson Cooper, Jay Shetty and 10% Happier, like all these big podcasts, which was really exciting. But the other thing that happened was of the people who listened to the podcast, of all the listeners there were, almost 100% of those people converted to become followers. Now, I don't know if you know much about conversion, but 5% conversion in business is like typically looked at to be good. 10 to 20% is looked at to be great. And 30% conversion is looked at to be excellent. 100% conversion is nearly unheard of. So this just goes to show me that if your content is there, you just need to get in front of the right audience and the people will come. And so if you haven't yet found your audience, do not lose faith. You just need to get in front of the right people and you could have nearly a 100% conversion rate. And over the past two weeks, I've seen the podcast listens go up exponentially. And it's so exciting to me because that means like there's so much more life left in this podcast and there are so many more people that we can reach. And yeah, just keep heart, keep making great work. And just keep figuring out what the right audience to get in front of. And the other thing it showed me is like, wow, the mental health content I'm doing is really resonating with people. I need to do more of that. So listen to what your audience says too. I wanted to finally answer a few questions that came from Instagram. So this is how I'd like to wrap up the episode. My friend Kaylee Schaefer, who's an incredible songwriter, wrote in and she said, not sure if you've already did an episode on this, but how do you find creativity when you're experiencing burnout? Okay, this can be really hard. I would say something that you're genuinely lit up by and joyful about, like the children's music for me, it wasn't even hard to find the creativity for it. It was just like, whoa, this is what I've been waiting for. And I think that there was something special about that children's music because you're not trying to write like this deep Edgar Allan Poe Shakespeare-esque passage. You're trying to find something that connects with a little soul. So I think the nugget from that is making something that isn't so pressure filled and you don't feel this pressure to be deep or great or like excellent. You just want to make something that's joyful and connects. So finding whatever that is for you. For me, the children's music was huge. Another thing that I think really helps is picking up something you previously put down to see if your current perspective can take it to the finish line. So there was a song I started in November that was about some of my codependency issues. And I put it down then. And honestly, I totally forgot about it. And I was going through, because I had this fiasco with my phone, I was going through my voice memos recently. And I found it again. I'm like, oh, damn, that song was really good. But I never finished it. I didn't write a bridge. So yesterday, I was feeling particularly inspired. I had journaled that morning. I did my meditation. And I wrote a bridge in like two minutes. So you may have something that you're sitting on or you've been sitting on that maybe you've even forgotten about that could use your perspective that you have right now and use that take. So look through your archives and see what do I have that I could potentially speak to right now that won't require me like building the pyramids from scratch. It's just like putting the final little triangle on it. I don't know why I chose pyramid because we don't even really know how those are built. Ancient aliens? I don't know. But, <laughs> but you know, like you don't want to have to like recreate the wheel when you're in a moment of difficulty. Do something that's going to be an easy win for you that will give you the dopamine hit. And then you can start to think about like going to the next thing. And the other thing is you probably just need to rest. A lot of times when we're creatively blocked, when we're feeling burnt out, the answer is rest, go into nature. Nature also provides a lot of answers. I took a picture. I was going to mention this earlier because I thought it was like a great example of comparison. There was this bush with all these different flowers on it. And a lot of the flowers had already fully bloomed. And there were like six or seven that were still in the bud form. So like the green was still around them and they hadn't the purple flowers hadn't sprung out of the bud. And I'm like, you know, it's interesting when we're around a lot of peers that have done more than us 
and are on a similar journey. We're like, oh God, why are they doing so much more? Why can't I do that? What's wrong with me? But those flowers aren't sitting there thinking like, oh God, I bet you the flower next to me has already sprung out. What's wrong with me? When am I going to spring out? Why can't I do that? They're just following their specific journey. And so I don't know why we can't see that we are like nature. (laughs) But sometimes just like going into nature and seeing the lessons that it just so effortlessly can teach us about life and creativity can also give you a spring of inspiration about something you want to speak on, write on, sing on, make a business around, you know, nature really does provide us all the answers. And I don't know why, like sometimes in me, I'm like, oh, that's so corny. But it's true. It does. It is a perfect mirror for us and for our humanity. So I'd say find something that's like purely joyful for you. Pick up a piece of creativity that you had left behind and see if you're current status can lend itself to finishing that project. Rest and go be in nature. Those are my four tips. Okay, another question that came in, how do you prioritize many different creative passions? Do you do what's drawing you or where the money is? I had another really interesting call today with a woman who works at a podcast distribution platform called OSHA, A-U-S-H-A. I'm thinking of bringing my podcast over there, but that's neither here nor there. She said something so interesting to me because their platform really specializes. And by the way, this platform was created in France. Okay, so she was born in France, has lived in America for 20 years and is working on bringing this platform from the French audience to the American audience. And she was talking about how it's really interesting because this platform, OSHA, focuses on audience development. So their big goal is helping podcasters find and develop their audience, increase discoverability, all the things that are really hardest when you're making any sort of creative brand, certainly a podcast. And she said that most podcast platforms actually in America focus on ad content, which you can't even get ads until you have so many thousands of listeners, okay? And so she said that people in France who created this platform don't understand because they're like, why are Americans so obsessed with putting ads into the podcast when they don't even have the audience yet? What? (laughs) It doesn't make any sense. And they're totally right. But she was able, because she's lived in America for 20 years, to see both sides. And she said, well, you know, to the people in France who created this, you don't understand. You can't live in America and not think about making money. And I think it's so easy to equate creative success with financial success just because of the capitalistic society we live in. But who's to say you're not a successful creative even if you're not making money? If you're connecting with people, if you're joyful, if you feel fulfilled, first of all, I've heard enough stories on this podcast to know that if you focus on that and you're really living in that, the money will come. And I know that's not an easy thing to say and it's like a woo-woo thing to say, but I just know it's true. I've heard enough stories, not enough for me to fully like take any leaps right now, but I know that's true. But the other thing is, you know, you can't really have long lasting success without a foundation of what makes you tick, what makes you feel like you, what makes you joyful. And like you definitely can't do it without knowing the people you want to connect with. So I want to say prioritize what brings you the most joy and what you think is the most sustainable for you. Obviously, you have to make money, but there are many ways to do that. Like this woman that I interviewed earlier today, you know, she revamped her career. She's super interesting. I'm so excited for you to hear it. Basically, she started her career as a neuroscientist, decided she didn't like that anymore, quit her job as a, she has a PhD as a scientist in a lab, ended up going into social media marketing, was making incredible money doing that, then realized she didn't like that anymore, quit that. And she's now gone into fitness because fitness, it's totally attached to her mental health and like helped her life in very profound ways. So she wants to help other people find mental health through fitness. And she's doing that. But while she's building her fitness, her personal fitness business, she's working at a coffee shop. And I think this goes back to like the shame thing. So much of the time we have conditioning around like what it means to work in a coffee shop and is it a step back? For her, it's a step forward because she's going toward her dream. The other thing she said that I thought was so fascinating was she's like, you know, I'm building my fitness career slowly because 
fitness is going to be a part of the rest of my life. I mean, she's like, I might change my mind at some point, but as of now, it's the thing I feel most profoundly attached to and most driven toward because it saved my life. And so I don't mind if it takes a little bit longer to build my fitness business because I'm going to be doing this forever. And it made me think our relationship with our creativity is a lot like a relationship that you pick with your life partner, right? You don't need to rush with your life partner because you have the rest of your life with them to build. Maybe some people do, but like you don't have to rush into the engagement because you want to build a solid foundation with them so you can be with them forever. And so, yeah, all that to say, like, I think from all the stories I've heard, focus on what is driving you, focus on the joy, find a way to make money, but a way that doesn't exhaust you. And don't be afraid to take what society views as a step back to take a step forward toward yourself. Okay, final question. How do you enforce boundaries in making space for creativity? So I think I understand this because the question was boundaries in in making space for creativity. So I'm not 100% sure I understand it, but here's how I'm going to answer that. If you're having a hard time like fitting your creative passions into your schedule, you have to literally put it down on the calendar. And I heard this before, but like it kind of happened in my relationship and it helped me see that I need to do it in my relationship with myself as well. Timmy and I always want to like help each other with our careers, but we would say we were going to do a lot of things and then they wouldn't happen because it's like we have a personal relationship. Bringing the business stuff up didn't always feel the most natural. So now if either of us want help with our careers and we're like doing a business type meeting, we will literally put it down on the calendar. So it's like, okay, we're going to look for gigs for each other for the next two hours and we'll put that down on the calendar. And so I think when you're having trouble making space in your life for your own creativity, you need to literally put it down on the calendar. If someone asks you to hang out during that time, you just say, sorry, I'm busy. You protect that space the same way you would protect a business meeting you have with someone else, hang out with friends. You have to protect that space because otherwise in certain areas of our life, it's not going to happen. So I think making boundaries and making space for creativity comes down to respecting yourself and your time and your creative output the same way you would any other business or personal relationship. You have to put it down on the calendar, make space for it, and be unflinching about keeping it there. That was a lot. I hope that you got something out of it. I love you so much. I'm so grateful for you. If you like what you heard today, remember to rate, review, and follow Unleash on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Give it a rating and review. That helps so much. Tell a friend about the show. Podcasts are really spread person to person. Biggest influencers in my life are my friends and family. So please be an influencer to your friends and family and share Unleash if you love it. Thank you, Rachel Fulton, for helping edit this episode. Follow her at Rachel M. Fulton. Thanks, Liz Full, for the show's theme music. Follow her at Liz Full. And my wish for you this week is just that you can be gentle with yourself. And if you're also going through a hard time, know you're not alone. We're going to get through it. And I love you. It's going to be okay. All right? I love you. Again, I can't say it enough. I'm so grateful for you. And I believe in you. Have a great week. Talk soon.